What's up, Florida State sports fans? Welcome back to the Null Sports Podcast. Kurt Weiler here with Andre Fernandez. On another week and a, a, another week for Florida State where a win keeps them uh, potentially bowl eligible. I don't think either of us had confidence they would get here to uh, to five and six after they were three and six, but here they are now, one one win away from Florida from making some uh, some some not college football history, but putting them in pretty unprecedented company in terms of college football football history. Yeah, what was Mark Packerstad in 1986? The last time 1986. I think it'd be only yeah. the third team ever to get to six wins after starting 0 four. Uh, here's my here's your feel old here's my feel old moment of the day. I was seven years old. <laughs> I was negative four. Negative four. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that that was the eighty uh, six. That was uh, oh yeah, that was Catholics versus convicts uh, year. No 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 no, not Catholics convicts. Sorry, two years before that, that was Penn State picking off Vinny Testaverde five times in the Fiesta Bowl for uh, you know beating Miami that year. That was that was the nineteen eighty six. How that season ended. I wonder who the team was. Did Mark, Mark Packer never said who the team was? I I'll look it up because it is worth knowing probably. But I, I I might ask him. But you know, I mean, it's a, a another really strong uh, performance from Florida State. I mean, obviously they did what they couldn't do last week against Miami, coming out and not just dominating the first half, but a doing it without kind of the turnover margin. I mean, obviously there's only one turnover in the game, and it happened on Boston College's last play, kind of the game clinching interception. Mm-hmm. But so uh, just utter domination, really, from Florida State, which was impressive. And then they come out and keep it going in the second half. They score in the opening possession. I mean, it's 26 to 3, and, and you're, you're not thinking any kind of comebacks coming. At that point, kind of Florida State with the safety field goal before the half and the touchdown at a half, they got kind of got the, uh, the two for one, if you will. And, and uh, we're, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this. It's not the most important thing. There were some pretty questionable calls that all seemed to go one certain way in that game. Mm-hmm. And without that, I don't think it gets to be a game, a 26-23 win for Florida State. I don't think Boston College scores 20 straight points without all how all of that played out. But it did. But despite that, Florida State won. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like the Despite the, sh- the shaky officiating, it has happened at other times this year. It, ha- it will continue to happen from time to time. I think it was what was interesting was their response and the ability for them to close the game out anyway, in spite of all that. Because we've seen earlier this year, right? I mean, adversity like that has has overwhelmed this team sometimes in the earlier in the year, and they weren't able to finish out with a victory. Now it seems they they they've learned how to close games. They did it against Miami in a different way. They did it this time by hanging on for their dear lives, but they did, and that's the biggest thing. We saw some some areas of that that you know, aren't the sexiest to talk about, but special teams came into play. I mean, Alex Mastromano did the great job punting-wise, pinning them, you know, repeatedly inside their own, either their own 10 or their own 15-yard line. The coverage teams did a great job stopping them a, a few times. Even early in the game, pinned them once at the one-yard line. I mean, the little things are, are coming through for this team now when, when it's needed most, and it's good to see late in the year, and it shows the, the signs of growth overall. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting now. I mean, you talk about it, it, it. Another really strong game from Jordan Travis. I mean, uh, not a career high, but I don't think he'd had over 250 passing yards in a game before. And after he had 274 the week before against Miami, 251 this week with three more touchdowns, no interceptions, uh, a yeah. passer rating of 150 here as I'm looking at it. Yep. I, I mean, I think over his last six games, since he kind of – took over the, the reins of the offense full-time outside of the game he missed because of the flu. Pretty sure he's got, I think, 15 or 16 total touchdowns and one interception. 
Yeah, well, not, yeah, not only what I like too is these last five starts since he really like took the reins and 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 really became the actual you know the starter of this team. Yep. No picks, at all. Yep. Yeah, the the one was in the Syracuse game. I think you're right. Yeah, I mean that's that's impressive. You know that that considering it's not like he's throwing the ball ten times a game or something. Like he's he is throwing it, and especially more in recent games, and, and not just and and then not just even like the little dump off routes. We saw that in the Syracuse game where it was a lot more of like the short passing game. No, they've opened it up, and he has still been sharp. He's still been very accurate, and spreading the ball. We, you know, we, yeah. we talked about that today a little bit too. The the fact that. 10 different pass catchers on this team each of the last two weeks and 11 guys have scored touchdowns this year. I mean, you could say, yeah, they don't have a clear cut number one receiver, but in a way that makes it harder on the defense because they have to account for pretty much everybody. You're not just keying maybe on the one superstar receiver that you have to get all, you have to get under control. This team can spread it out to anybody in the passing game and that makes them that more dangerous. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a, you've seen that growth. I mean, we've heard about the growth and, and you've seen it of late with, with Jordan and you see the reads. I know they said the, the touchdown to Andrew Parchman, I think the, the set up the game winner against Miami was, I think Kenny Dillingham had his fourth read on that play that he went through three others to get to that. You, uh, you see the quick passes and that's really a new part to the game that hasn't always been there before. What he's been able to do there. I mean, it's uh, it, it, the the roller coaster of whether Jordan Travis, whether you kind of think he's the future or not, uh, of, of the position for Florida State continues. And I mean, I think definitely now we're in the middle of a definitely. I think you you're with the growth you've seen, with the fact that he's really only coming to his like second year. If you projected how much he's played, I, I think we're we're riding the high again of seeing that seeing that potential. I think as much as Jermaine Johnson's been a great story for them this year, and by the way, whoever's listening to this, check it out. Kurt wrote a good story on, on him this week. Got a chance to talk to him one-on-one, some good stuff about just his journey to this point and, and you know, the impact he's made. But, I mean, one of the biggest – I mean, Travis's evolution, you know, on the offensive side of the ball is the story of the year. I mean, you look at – and a story that will keep going beyond this season because, I mean, you look at – just, just everything we're talking about, all these little factors of, of, of just the way his game has developed, the way he's grown, the way he's matured, everything, you know, just, just feels so much more comfortable playing the position now than he did just two months ago. I mean, not even in, before the season, even like within, even within the last month, it's just like it, every week you see it, you see it develop a little bit more where we're going, wow, he wasn't making that play before. Wow, he wasn't making that read before. He wasn't doing this. And it's great to see for him, and and yeah, for the definitely for the future of the program because as we know, they're you know they they have a couple of pretty good recruits coming in from what we know, but obviously those those are still unknowns. How are those guys going to pan out? For right for this moment, Jordan Travis has the keys back there as the starting quarterback, and you know the 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 better he gets, the only is only going to have such a positive effect you know on the program going forward. Yeah, I, I remember I, I asked Jordan kind of after the game, I asked him about uh, – that, that That was the second straight game where I would say he outperformed the other quarterback even though he was definitely the quarterback that entered with less acclaim, both against Miami and Tyler Van Dyke and Phil Jerkovich at Boston College. This week, there are definitely some uh, uncertainties about Florida's quarterback situation, obviously, with uh, the report that Emory Jones got hurt in practice and seems questionable for this weekend. Mm-hmm. But whichever one of those two it is, it's undeniable that I think you feel better about 
Jordan Travis. Obviously, Anthony Richardson had some real strong moments early in the season against uh, against lesser competition. But I know his first career start against Georgia, and I'm by no means comparing Florida State's defense to Georgia's. It, it was he wasn't quite ready. It seemed like for that level of competition. If it is Anthony Richardson, it'll be interesting. The big playability might be a little bit there, but he's also been pretty mistake prone, as you would expect from a freshman who has limited playing time. So, how much of an advantage can Jordan be against a, a very up and down Florida defense? Seventy-three passes, I believe, for pass attempts and five interceptions. Not a good rate. I'm telling you, no, I don't, I don't care it's how. Not, and it's not unexpected. Yeah, no, I know, but I'm but and 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 then the team as a whole has been very turnover prone this season, especially when it, because of you know the, those quarterbacks. I mean, Emery himself, 10, 10 interceptions, and then a stat that jumped out at me too. I know he's thrown eighteen touchdown passes, but. Ten of those have come against Sanford and Vanderbilt. You know, not exactly. I mean, the and, and ironically, funny enough, the only two victories Florida's had in during this skid that they've been on, losing five out of seven. So, I mean, a, a, definitely an opportunity for this aggressive FSU defense to 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 do something. You know, in this game to make to be disruptive again and potentially cash in on some mistakes. It won't be too easy, though. It bears mentioning against a, a Florida offensive line that's allowed just uh, eleven sacks all year. I think one right. a game on the nose, and yeah, and, and the running game is good. Yeah, the running game is yeah. good. They're deep in the yep. backfield. They have several several solid running backs that are, that can be explosive when when they have the football. And and Richardson himself can make plays with his legs too. Let's not forget. So it's going to be it's going to be up front as usual. But again, that's FSU's strength is up front that defensive line and how great they've been this year. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I, it is always such a question with these interim head coach situations. How how does the team rally behind them, or does the team kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel and just kind of want to 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 get there? Obviously, Dan Mullen fired Sunday after uh, Florida's loss, overtime loss at uh, Missouri, and both teams are are five and six. I think it's the the first time that both these teams are five and six, and only one can get to six, and only one can get to full eligibility in theory a team could get there with five but i'm not sure how many bids there are and i don't know i know florida state's apr isn't great i don't know where uh where florida's is but it feels like this is a the winner's going bowling and the loser probably isn't game and it's some interesting stakes it's not the stakes of some of those games in the 90s or 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 other areas where one team's been real good and the other has not but i i know how important this one is for florida state i think they uh, it's not to say that what they've accomplished the last two weeks goes to waste if they don't get this done, but it wouldn't be quite the same if they weren't able to win the third one after after kind of pulling off the, the first two upsets. And it would definitely mean a lot, I think, to this team to get to stay together, to get those bowl practices, and, and kind of for this not to be the end this weekend. Yeah, it'd be a sour ending to an otherwise solid, you know, second half of the season, you know, positive, everything trending upward for them. It'd be, you know what I mean? It'd be regrettable to, to end it on that kind of a note. It almost yeah. feels like it, it, you want the ascension to, 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 to continue and at least finish with this, regardless of what happens later in the bowl game. I think the bowl game itself, just actually having it and all the perks that come with that that you mentioned, like the extra practices and just the, you know, the payoff, getting there, everything, yada, yada. All of that stuff, I think, is already a victory in itself for where this program is right now, even if they were to lose it to whoever they'd play. 
but this just would leave kind of a this would leave us not kind of it would leave a sour taste in their mouths if they can't get this done especially against the rival team and you know especially look at look at how much look at how much the Miami victory did for them i mean imagine how much this one would too well and it bears mentioning they they didn't seem to enter that Miami game kind of too hyped up where it was a problem early obviously they jumped out to the lead and then you worry a little bit about like well is there a hangover effect at Boston College there was not at all. I mean, they, they got even to, out to an even more impressive lead in that one. So it, it, it has been interesting. I mean, this team, the, the bits of success they'd had before the last few weeks hadn't always handled it uh, especially well. So even the bits of, like, near success, like the loss to Notre Dame, it didn't seem like they handled that too well. But they, they have of late. And, and it feels like, I think, you get the feeling from this team that they are entering this, this game hungry and aware of the opportunity, but I don't think they're overly confident. I don't think by any means they're taking this Florida team lightly because of the circumstances or anything like that. I think they just prepared. They know what's on the line. And I'll be interested to see if Florida can uh, match that response because I think it's going to have to. Yeah, I think so. And I, and that's the thing. I think you've even seen not just what they, not just what the players and the coaches are saying, but I think even us that we've had, you know, like we said all all year, we've had the chance to see them. Not every single practice, but at least like twice a week up close. One thing that we talked to Jordan Travis about today was over the course of the beginning of the year, you'd see peaks and valleys with this team in terms of performances and practice. You'd see some good days. You'd see some days where you're obviously not sharp at all. Yeah, but the last two three weeks you're starting to see a steadiness with this team where they're they're consistent in the way they practice like you see it, it looks crisper everything looks a little sharper everything looks like it's on point maybe not spectacular but it looks you don't see those ugly practices as much these last few weeks and i think that's all ties together the way this team is focused right now they're on the same page and clicking and you know yes they'll make of course like a, like any team that's still as young as they are in a lot of areas there will the mistakes will happen but not to the degree that was happening before where it was, where it was you know really just costing them games that sort of thing i could i could see them coming out and again having that type of execution where they will not only be in the game but they'll have a chance to to really win this and then it'll just be how do the gators perform i mean yes the gators will have the home field they'll have the crowd and all that stuff, like just the way that FSU saw when they went to Clemson a few weeks ago. I don't think it will be nearly like that, though. Well, in the sense of at the beginning. I mean, I, I think at the beginning of the game is the biggest thing because I think uh, that you start and it's gonna. you wonder if they're going to respond and have a fresh start feel like, you know, let's see. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe they come out and it's the same disarray and, and, and whatnot. But, that, but on the field... Let's see how the Gators execute because I, I if this game I don't, I think it's gonna be a close game, but if there were a lopsided result, I definitely think it's in FSU's favor because of everything the Gators have been through, and I think there's an opportunity there to pounce early, and 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 take a lead, and if that happens, who knows? Yeah, well, you talked about the crowd. I'm interested because I know Florida State pretty quickly sold out of its allotment, which admittedly is a small portion of that stadium, but that there were still tickets available through Florida. That to me says, I mean, that tickets were still available. There will be plenty of Florida fans there who want to beat FSU regardless of the season and all of that. But I think there are some who may normally make that trip who won't be there. I'm interested to see what that crowd proportion is. Could it even sneak towards like 
80-20 because that would make a difference. Yeah. No, I definitely, so, it definitely could. I, they've had the strong starts the last two weeks. I mean, not to take away from what they've done, but I feel like it's easier to have that confidence when you are able to jump ahead early. I'm by no means saying I think Florida – I think Florida's mentality, it's entirely possible they do that again. But if they don't do that again, if Florida gets up, they handled it well against North Carolina in that game, how do they handle it this time? They haven't always handled that that well. You look at you look at Louisville, you look at some other situations. So I, I, I'm interested to see if things go that way. Not that I think they will. How does Florida State handle that? Because the first halves of the last two have been pretty uh, – Pretty, what's like the what's the phrase I'm looking for? Pretty stress free. Yeah, which was not the case at all before that. I mean, yeah. most of most of the season or three quarters of the season. So, yeah. It, it, I'm wondering where your uh, where your head is at on this one, Andre, because I think we might be drifting the same way. I know we both uh, felt confident going into the last week, and we're proven right. We're validated by by the Florida State's performance up there in Chestnut Hill. So. I, I, look, I, I think that, like I said a minute ago, I think you never know. I mean, I almost have the hunch that if they get off to a good start, yes, Florida's offense is explosive. That's the only reason I don't know if they can turn it into a lopsided result, but they, it could be a situation where if they're, if they're executing well and that defense is creating turnovers, they could take control in, in the early part of the game. And then that would really take the crowd out of it, even if it is – a little bit, you know, more of a more of a hostile environment at the beginning of the game, and that'd be huge. I mean, when have they ever, you know, that rarely can they do that in the swamp with everything, you know, going the Gators' way. But this is not. This is this has been such a collapse to witness, you know, even from afar. I mean, and, and that's why, like, I, I I think they're gonna pull it off. I don't like. I'm not even. I'm thinking a close game only because I don't know how the, how Florida's gonna react early in the game. They may come out much different than they have in recent weeks. Maybe not. Or maybe it's a lot of the same. I mean, remember, this is the team that they fired their defensive coordinator and then turned around and only won because they were playing Sanford. And saying that even gave up, you know, we all know they gave up 52 points and couldn't stop Sanford's passing game. <laughs> so Yeah, I mean, it, it, that's the thing is you talk about the, the, the talent is definitely there on defense, but they haven't always shown it of late. You wonder, I mean, that was Christian Robinson, the interim defensive coordinator. That was his first game. I think it was his first time as a defensive coordinator, especially at this level. So I do wonder what role that may have played of having to kind of figure those things out on the fly. But but no, I mean, it, it, what I will say, along with what you said, I, I am not convinced. One thing I think, if Florida State does what it's done the last two weeks, I'm not convinced Florida State makes a Boston College-like comeback. Whatever went into that, I guess maybe the rest could have could could help again. It is ACC refs down in Gainesville because they they do the flip like that. I doubt it would be the crew from last week, but <laughs> which has been behind Florida State's two most penalized games uh, this season. But but I, I I am doubtful that uh, that Florida Florida can do what Boston College did, and even what Miami did. This game could look a lot like the Carolina game to me. I mean, not and not. I don't mean ten nothing coming back at the beginning. I just mean in the sense of when they take control, they're not going to take their foot off the gas and could end up winning by that much. You know, maybe even who knows if if the Gators quit mid game or, or or really out of it, maybe even worse. But I just feel like if they jump out early, they could turn it into a bit of a of a lopsided 
I mean, last week it was headed towards the route. I'm twenty six to three. I mean, yeah. This yeah. If, maybe it's maybe it's that something similar. And this time, like you said, just because of the situation the Gators are in, the comeback never comes. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting one. I, I lean towards Florida State. I would probably say Florida State close because I'm not sure I'd. What, uh, like you said, I I wouldn't be especially surprised by a. Uh, by a blowout win for Florida State, I would be by Florida, but I, I lean towards a, a close game that uh that comes down to it, and so we'll see uh, where it lands. I definitely trend towards Florida State. I would say maybe in the neighborhood of 28-24, 31-28, something around that. Yeah, I think I put, I think I, oh, that, well, that hasn't published yet, but I think I gave you my, I gave you my prediction for our weekly story, 30-28, uh, to 28, just throwing a, a close score there. I mean, it could be, it could be a thriller down to the wire. I mean, for all we know, I mean, I, I just again, I, I see FSU coming out on top just because of the the trend that this has taken the last few weeks on both sides. Yeah, it, uh, it 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 should be an interesting one, a noon game, which definitely helps the atmosphere going into those night games. There are always a little crazy, uh, and can get a little cold too for whatever for whatever that's worth. So noon on ESPN, uh, both teams going for eligibility. I mean, Florida State can uh, join some rare company. It could be quite the uh, Quite the game for them. Let's uh, let's let's touch on. We got plenty else going on right now. Let's touch on some other stuff before we uh, get out of here. Get ready for uh, Thanksgiving in the uh, in the soccer world. Obviously, we're recording this Wednesday. Mm-hmm. We got Thanksgiving tomorrow. I know Mark Gregorian going to have a, a busy household before <laughs> uh, the the trip to the College Cup is on the line Friday against Michigan. That's right. He um, it, it made me think of the scene in a uh, Ted Lasso when everybody starts showing up at Higgins' house over and over. And like all all the players, and because uh, as we know, uh, Coach Gregorian's squad he has a very international squad too. And he was talked about how, you know, for some of them maybe they haven't had like the you know like the traditional American Thanksgiving before. So he, what he's been doing for years is whenever they're still playing this time of year, which is probably two thirds of the time or more, um, he'll invite the entire team over to his house. Him and his his wife will will make dinner. You know, set the big table for everybody. And and it's it's cool because they have the, the team bonding there. I mean, I know a lot of teams do stuff like that, but it's kind of cool that he personally hosts. Uh, they personally host the team, you know, year in and year out when they, they do that at this time of year. As long as you know, obviously the team's still playing, like I said, and everybody hasn't scattered yet. But you know that they'll they'll do all of that and then turn around Friday afternoon at two o'clock and face a a pretty good Michigan team, but. Again, like I'm about in my head, I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to talk about Michigan and how good they are and how stingy they are. I think they've shut out four or five opponents in a row, if I remember correctly. But then it's like I have to remember FSU just seems to be on another level. I mean, watching the game the other day against Pepperdine, the Pepperdine coach, it was only a one nothing game, and Pepperdine really slowed down their attack for the most part. They got an early FSU got the goal within the first five minutes, and then. It was back and forth, pretty much a stalemate. But even having said that, he pointed out something that it was almost like I've, I've observed this throughout the season, but hearing a coach put it into words and kind of say it was interesting. Not just the fact that FSU's players are so fast in in just in the open run and the flow of play, but just in, in their decision-making and like little things they do just, you know, when when – to avoid defenders, you know, the, to make the quick pass, to, 
to, to make an adjustment on defense. Little, everything is done fast. And that, to me, like, I, I saw, I, I've been seeing that the entire season. He was right on point. That's the separator. When I asked him, like, what do you, what, what's that, why, why are they so good to you? And he, his thought was they just have those athletes that can just do everything one step quicker, every little move, everything. And that's why they've been able to be so much better than almost every team they've played this year. And I don't know if Michigan is that close to them in that regard. We'll see. But, you know, this team's been so dominant, and, and it, just, it just feels like they're just one more, you know, one win away and on their way to, a, you know, to a potentially another national championship. I mean, we'll see. There's still some good teams left. I mean, if they get out there to California, the first match right off the bat could be – it could be almost like a it could be a payback match really once one way or the other because it'll be either Duke who beat them the only team that's beaten them this year or it'll be Santa Clara the team that beat them in the championship game last May so at Santa Clara Stadium at Santa Clara Stadium so if they get there yeah they'll they'll be the home team so again that'll be that'll be interesting out there as well yeah, I, I, not to take away from Michigan, it's a credit to Michigan which I know has never been to the College Cup they're kind of playing for that first time. Mm-hmm. But the Big Ten is by no means a, a bad soccer conference. There are some good teams there. Wisconsin's always right there. There are, I know, a couple others. But, I mean, the ACC is kind of just the, especially women's soccer conference. I can't really speak to men's. I don't haven't covered that because Florida State doesn't have a team. But on the women's side, I mean, when you look at just how consistently the top five is peppered with ACC teams, and it will be interesting to see how Michigan definitely rises to the occasion against a, uh, a, a a definite step up in difficulty in Tallahassee. Yeah, I mean, the, the interesting part is this tournament's been pretty wild in terms of upsets. And Virginia lost. We saw North Carolina exit in the first round. So speaking of the ACC, the only, the only survivors right now are FSU and Duke. When, you know, some people even thought maybe, who knows, maybe the ACC even gets three out of four in the College Cup or or even all four as strong as they look during the season. But, you know, you, you, you may have the two, but a lot of them have fallen. And, and it was interesting, Mark Krikorian talked about that. He's like, he, he, does, he, was, he was saying how we really haven't seen the full effect of what COVID has had on, on a lot of these teams. You wonder if a lot of the after effect of playing so close to each other. I mean, they just finished last season in May and then had to turn around quickly and play this season, you know, how has that affected a lot of the teams around the country? And maybe that's why you're seeing all the upsets. So what I'm getting at is it makes you appreciate this, just the system that he and his coaches have in place and, uh, and, and what the players at FSU have been able to do to, to stay on point and not let that, at least up to now, not let that happen here where this team has remained on track. They had a little bit of a setback right at the end of the regular season you know, with a few players out, but they were able to rebound, win the ACC, and now look like they're clicking at the perfect time, playing some of the best soccer they have all year. So it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, no, it's they are a, a sight to behold. It'll be interesting. Uh, the kind, what kind of challenge can uh, can Michigan present? I know Mark Corian talked about how they they definitely are somewhat similar in styles. That's always an interesting clash when both teams want a lot of the ball. It always makes for for an interesting soccer match, to be sure. Uh, in the basketball world, obviously, this is, I mean, before you get to, like, the postseason, this is, like, the week of college basketball watching, Feast Week, with so many of those tournaments and so many great games. Obviously, the men already done with their, their tournament and now play Boston University tonight. 
the women are, are really seeing the difficulty uh, ramp up here this week down in uh, St. Pete. Yeah, um, I mean, for the men's team, I think the the Jacksonville Classic was, hey, FSU is back. I mean, at least stylistically, what they did. They, this is this is what Coach Ham and, and 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 those guys really needed to get back to just that style of just aggr- that that aggressive pressure defense, turning that into scores, the, the, the balanced offense. I mean, they looked like themselves again in both games against Loyola and then later in that final against Missouri. Missouri never had a chance. They jumped all over them in the first half, forcing the, 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 that same formula, just you know, on the defense, turning that into offense. And you saw glimpses of some of the new guys there. I mean, Cameron Fletcher looked great off the bench. I mean, you had, you had your, your, your staples of the, of the guys that you're going to rely on, like Malik Osborne had another good game. Raekwon Evans, six assists, had a good game. But some of the new pieces that they're in there, Tenor Ingham has had a couple of starts after he was out the first couple of games. He played well. You're, you, this is that adjustment period kind of showing some results finally and, and, and little by little. They they'll they'll get it. They look like they can get it rolling, and it'll be just in time, obviously, for ACC play. And even before ACC play, I think we've mentioned it three weeks in a row. I can't wait for that Purdue game because the two teams I've seen so far from watching a lot of di- different college basketball games. I mean, Gonzaga looks unbelievable. I mean, they what they did last night. They took apart UCLA, and I mean, if they they had no business not winning it. I mean, they know they ran into a great Baylor team last year which was unfortunate for them, but it, but just like last season, they have no business not winning it this year. They're so loaded. and then But Purdue, where I'm getting at in relation to FSU, the, that Purdue game, that FSU, that trip they're going to make in, in a week, that I can't wait to see how they match up against them because that team looks stacked right now. It looks like a legit Final Four contender. So if FSU measures up pretty well against them, that could be a good sign. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it, it speaks to there, like you said, with so many new pieces. It's going to be. We talked about the roller coaster with football at the start of the year. The roller coaster with the men's basketball team is uh, is is very much there. I think a, a promising development is is how well they they continue to uh, defend. Really, outside of that one stretch in the Florida game where Florida just kind of got hot and took that game over late, they've they've been impressively impressive defensively all year long. Even in that in that close game against Tulane the defense was not the problem it was it was the offense it's I mean if they don't if they don't get out in transition if they get stuck in the half court they can get their feet kind of stuck in cement sometimes and and struggle to generate but this month is going to be big for them. I mean not just the challenges they'll face and how they'll get them ready for a ACC play but just I mean the the consistency of playing more and how much can they grow this month because once the ACC starts it gets tough consistently in a hurry there's obviously a couple couple games you look at as quote-unquote easier than others but we've seen with this with the acc in basketball any team can beat any team on any night we've seen some dukes teams lose to teams they have no business so once it gets to that i mean it it really gets going so it speaks to how important this month is for them yeah no doubt and the transition game you mentioned i mean this game that was another thing that looked good like finally their defense was creating those opportunities to run the floor a little bit more and get some quick buckets. And then, and then, and they showed that I think, I think even more in the Missouri game than in the first game, I think that was part of why they jumped the, you know, jumped ahead so, so quickly and took a big lead at halftime and really controlled the game from that point on. That's some of the stuff that was some of that in the outside shooting was some of the stuff that was missing early on that they're trying to get. But yeah, 
you're going to have those tests twice a week, you know, for the rest of the year once you get into conference play, and you just can't let up. Even against, even against the bottom feeders in the conference, they're all going to be gunning for you because they know that you're the team to beat, you know, or one of the teams to beat in the conference, and, and that could be their season. So you have to – they'll have to keep alert at, at all times, and you'll see, you know, they'll, obviously they'll have their moments, guys get banged up and whatnot, but I think the fact that this team – this team, what helps this team all the time is that depth and having so many options when stuff like that arises. No doubt. It's uh, switching switching gears to the, the women's team, obviously. Like I said, they are uh, still perfect. They're, they're 4-0, pretty, four pretty comfortable wins in the end. Not, uh, not always in the, the journey there. Some of them a little more uh, adventurous than others, hmm. but 4-0 nonetheless and now heading into uh, – uh, a tournament that could really test them this week down in, in St. Pete starting tomorrow with uh, BYU if you want some uh, Thanksgiving watching tomorrow night at 7. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be on uh, Flow Sports, I believe, which you can get online uh, if you want to watch those two games. BYU, not ranked, but 5-0. and Should be a good test for, for FSU. And then potentially could end up facing West Virginia, which uh, a team that is ranked, uh, I believe, around 22 right now. They're, you know, So you could have a top 25 matchup in the finals of of the St. Pete Classic, and you know, for FSC, for the women, the inside, the, the, those front court players have been really good so far. But I think getting Morgan Jones on track, she's the she's the key to this team. I think the you know the, one of the most talented players they have, the veteran, she can do a little bit of everything. You know, from just the mid range from the outside, can play well in the post. She got got into a rhythm these last couple of games and really. Started to you started to see her be more effective on the offensive end, and I think that's where it, it was good to see that early because you want her to be in top form once this schedule starts to ramp up, which it will with these games, and then later on as we get into the new year. And and really right now for Coach Semrau, it's getting a lot of these freshmen some of that important playing time. We've seen Omaria Gordon get that in the last few games. I got the chance to to do a story on Michaela Timpson, and she's going to be a a really big factor, I think, in that front court with the players like Valencia Myers, with River Baldwin, you know, the, the, the bigs that they have underneath, which is going to be really the strength of this team. So the more experience they can get now, the better, because, you know, again, like, like just like the men, those, those ACC, that ACC schedule for the most part is pretty unforgiving once it gets rolling. Yeah, no, they, uh, you look at a couple, uh, I know everybody feels pretty good about the Duke men's team and validated by what they thought coming into the year, but you look at the on the women's side, I mean, NC State and Louisville both seem like bona fide uh, contenders all over again. And so, yeah, I mean, it, maybe a, a, a little uh, a little less parity, I would say, in ACC women's basketball than on the men's side, but but still, I mean, the, the challenge is there. It'll be interesting to see how uh, players like Michaela rise to the occasion. I mean, how much is she able to give in ACC play year one? And, and what's that speak to about her future? It feels like you may have, uh, not that she was a, a, a lowly low ranked recruit, but it feels like you may have gotten a bit of a diamond in the rough there. Yeah. She wasn't even, it was, it was Amaria Gordon, the one that everybody was yep. raving about coming in, but yeah. If, she's, she's been dealing with that injury and is working her way back from that. But Right. Right. And that's the thing, but you know, and again, I think with the exception of maybe one or two players, you know, Coach Sue has been able to to play pretty much everybody in all these games, and that's what it's for, you know, get everybody experienced now and, and get acclimated. But, yeah, at the conference as a whole, I mean, NC State, I mean, 
can you start with a harder one than South Carolina right off the bat? I think that was their first game. So they've already been tested pretty well early on, and they, they look pretty strong. Louisville, as you mentioned. There's a couple other teams that are right there, neck and neck, I think, with FSU. You know, Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, you know, two teams that are going to be in that kind of in that dogfight. And when it comes down to it, could be the battles they need to win, you know, to get the right amount, you know, the right positioning within the ACC. And then later on, as they battle for seeds potentially in the NCAA tournament. So, you know, those will all be big games down down the stretch. No doubt. It's uh, it's it's quite the time. Like I said, if you are about college basketball fan, this is your week. I mean, this is better than any week of the regular season until we get to mm-hmm. probably conference tournament week, if not uh, the NCAA tournament. So a, a great time there. We'll have you covered on plenty of fronts starting tonight with uh, – the men's game against Boston tiny, University. T- tiny brackets everywhere. A little, little, little bit of a, of a of a tiny taste of what it'll be like later in March with all these little, you know, four and eight team invitationals. No doubt. Uh, yeah, sorry. Uh, we 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 kept it a bit shorter than uh than than usual this week. Just with everything going on, it's always a a crazy week around here because they try and give everybody within the paper within the network some time off for Thanksgiving, which is obviously greatly appreciated. So we will uh, be doing that tomorrow, but we've had plenty of great content. I uh, appreciate Andre shouting out the, the Jermaine Johnson story. I do, if you're remotely a, a Florida State football fan, encourage you to read it. I uh, am proud of how it came out, and I thought Jermaine had a lot of uh, very, very insightful uh, things to say. And it was a, it was a, it's been an honor to get to cover him this year and a pleasure to, to talk to him in that one-on-one setting. Yeah. Um, can, can follow us on uh, – Social media, uh, Tallahassee.com, Millsports.com, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all of the above, really. <laughs> yep, all that good stuff. Uh, yeah, it's we will uh, we will be back with you uh, sometime next week. We'll have to figure out when, maybe a little earlier in the week, because uh, without the uh, blitz of of how much media stuff we have early in the week, maybe we could get to it a little earlier next week. Uh, break down Florida, update the states of. Uh, men's and women's basketball definitely talk a little volleyball as their uh, season winds down as well but we uh we appreciate you for listening encourage you to subscribe if you don't and hope you'll join us next time happy thanksgiving everybody